It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, November 18th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 435, featuring longtime Boston Gold columnist and also, of course, beat writer of the Celtics and author Dan Shaughnessy is powered by BetOnline.ag and INSA. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Go to insa.com, that is I-N-S-A, and mention we sent you to get a t-shirt for a penny. All right, we're back at it. Another edition of Celtics Beat. This is going to be a fun one, a little bit different. Normally we would be, you know, harping over what happened the last time for the Celtics and losing in Atlanta and falling below 500. And I guess, you know, we'll get to some of that a little bit later on, but much rather spend time on our featured guest, of course, and what he has been up to. Dan Shaughnessy, long of the Boston Globe, good friend, and uh, Evan Valenti, Adam Kaufman, of course, we're always here with you. But Dan, how are you, man? I'm good, Adam. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm especially thrilled to have you here, uh, of course, because you know, you've, uh, well, you've written multiple times about the Celtics. You've written multiple books in general, north of a dozen books. We were talking previously, but I mean, I remember, of course, Curse of the Bambino and, uh, and then Reversing the Curse and Terry Francona. You've written about Fenway Park. The list goes on and on. But now we've got something that Celtics fans can really dive into beyond. You've written about Red Auerbach as well. But the team, uh, you know, just so interesting in the, the, the mid eighties to the late eighties and that, that, that championship era and dynasty and the Larry Bird Celtics. You've got a new book, of course. It is out. People can pick it up. It's called Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with Larry Bird Celtics. That's it. Looks great. And uh, people should be eager to dive in. Uh, what I'm always curious about, just to kind of, you know, a, a generic start to this thing, but but it's important, is, you know, where these ideas come from and and how, you know, the, the brainchild ultimately gets put to paper and just the, the process of, of getting this thing out there into the world. What brought this on for you? Well, I was the Celtic beat reporter for the four seasons starting 82-83 into 85-86. Bob Ryan had gone to TV. What an idiot. He went from the Globe <laughs> into TV, just like what young Chris Gasper just did. And yeah. then, you know, then he went and back. Then he came back to the Globe. But in any way, when he, he was the God, he was the Bible of NBA coverage, really invented the Sunday notes columns and all that. So uh, Commissioner Bob Ryan, he leaves. Uh, I had just been brought back. I covered high schools for the Globe and all that stuff when I was at Holy Cross. And then I went to uh, Baltimore and Washington for five years and covered the Orioles. And then lo and behold, I was rehired as a full-timer in 81. Bob Ryan goes a year later. He goes away to TV. And they needed a guy to do the Celtic beat, which was, you know, a great beat to, to, to jump into. And 
I was equipped for it. I had played high school basketball and I covered the BNBL. I covered a lot of colleges and, and I liked the sport. I know a little bit about it. So it was, it was a little bit tough to leave baseball at that time. Sorry, the phone ain't there. Let's get rid of that. But a little bit tough to leave baseball <laughs> at that time. Right now. But now oh, look at this. It's just going to be gone forever. This is what happens when you're on a book tour, Dan. Well, you know what it is. It's Bob Ryan. He heard you called him an idiot, and he's calling you right up. It did not happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, having done Major League Baseball for five years, it was a good preparation to go and cover a a beat and cover a team. And um, in those days, I mean, it was really covering a beat was – it was immersion. I mean, we were, like, with them all the time. So, you know, commercial air air travel and and hotels, buses. It was like being on the team except for the – the fame and the groupies and the money, we were like on the team, but we were with them all the time. And I can tell you, um, you know, during the pandemic, you know, when there was no ball, we were all starving and um, there was, you know, the last dance was kind of appointment TV. So on Sunday nights, people that were living in my house, got a lot of family members watched the last dance and, you know, I'm seeing my, you know, 32 year old self sitting at the table in those days, they didn't sell those seats. They hadn't figured it out yet. But the lowly media sat right next to the bench. And we were right on the floor where the staff crew is between the benches. And you heard a lot and we were, we were on it. So in the videos and then, you know, Comcast was showing the Celtics classics of the eighties because there's no games. So you're seeing Bill Walden and Larry Bird and Dennis Johnson and all that. And uh, again, there's my 28 year old self, you know, giant Michael Caine glasses and big hair and, <laughs> and like, Oh man, I've been telling those stories about that era for like 30 years in bar rooms and entertaining the other writers and, all these great Larry Bird stories, because we really were able to tell the readers what they were like, because we were with them all the time. And, uh, you know, when the when the bubble was instituted and the COVID bubble and the NBA came back in the summer, you know, the empty, empty arena down there. I remember when the Globe sent Washburn went down there and we had to pay like 55 or 60,000 to get a reporter in. And then the guy had washed out of quarantine for two weeks. And there was a waiver. You signed a waiver that said, I will not approach any athlete or coach if I see him you know, at any time, you just, it was like, you, so you had to agree to that. Well, that's what we did all of our best work, you know, waiting for bags, having beers in the hotel afterwards on the bus, just hanging out. Cause we were always with them and it's nobody's fault. You young guys, you know, we love you. You get to cover the team now, but you don't get near Brown and Tatum and smart the way we were near these guys or the coach. So it's been frustrating just as a reader. And I know it is for the, the poor reporters to try and, you know, fish out what's going on with those guys and who likes who. And really, you know, Wash went at the bubble. Wash saw the fight or, or heard the fight, you know, when they were you know, throwing. Yeah, Marcus stuff Smart losing his mind in the locker room. All that stuff. So if we hadn't that. had a guy there, no one would have known that. So who knows what's going on when we're not there. And uh, that couldn't happen when we were covering the team in the 80s because we were always with them. So, you know, the combination of, of seeing that and then, during the pandemic, I mean, everybody thought, oh, nine months after the pandemic, be a bunch of babies born. And I'm like, no, 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 it's going to be a bunch of books coming out because <laughs> everybody's home, got nothing to do, and you can call people and reach them. I mean, you call anybody during the pandemic, they're home. Where else are you going to be? So that was an asset. And my, you know, my agent, you know, kind of prodded me. Every time I do one of these, I'm like, it's the last one. You know, I just, I'm, hmm. I'm cranky. I just, I don't need it. But, but I, I said, okay, we'll, we'll send a pitch and, and, uh, it was bought by Simon Schuster, Scribner, publisher. And and so, okay, so I, I just spit it out and in the course of doing the Globe column. And, of course, we're not going as many places, so it was easier. You were always home and, and uh, cranked it out over the course of the year. And, and now we're, we're in um, we're in newsstands or what do you call bookstores, your local bookstores. You want to support those folks, uh, the hard work at local bookstores. And 
if uh, if you can't get there, just go on Amazon, and God knows they'll get it to you in a half hour. So that's <laughs> there. And, and uh, yeah, wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. And again, everybody knows who won those games. Everybody knows Larry's stats. Who was all you know? Who was Hall of Fame and all that? I no attempt to do play by play on all that stuff. But what you will get is is understanding what that dynamic was like, how great they were, what great teamwork they had, how secure they were in their own greatness. There wasn't a lot of who's getting the touches, and and you won't see them, you know, hugging the other team after the games or or conspiring to join each other on another team next year. There was none of that. And again, this is the old guy, get off my lawn. We don't need to be that guy all the time. But, you know, I'm trying not to promote this book as it was so much better then than it is now. But, you know, that's what some of the old guys do. And and it, it is fun to get back in time. And, and when you read about these guys, just the personalities they had, and and it's uh, it really comes forward. And, and I enjoyed doing it. I, I, I ran down most of them, I don't know, 13 or 14 guys and, you know, had them amplify uh, the old stuff with, with observations or, or mm-hmm. you know, comments about what was going on all those years ago. And, you know, guy like, you know, how Max is, you know, he's great on everything. And, yeah. and, you know, same with ML Carr and Rick Carlisle was helpful and Mikhail and Walton, they, they really got into it. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And that's the genesis of the project. And the book just came out this week and we're doing good. So did you reconnect with Bird along the way too? That was an interesting one. I, I told the publisher, you know, I'm not promising Bird on this because just if you're going to buy it, you need to know that he's probably not happening. And that proved true. And it was fine. I think, you know, he could have amplified a few things, but for the most part, no. Um, he's not particularly introspective. And But he was fun back there. This All this fun comes out. And I have a lot from him. His voice is very prominent in this. Just, just stuff in bars, um, in the, on the bus, in the hotel. He liked to break chops. He noticed everything. You know, he called me scoop. You know, I wasn't particularly trustworthy or they weren't ever that comfortable around me. Like I'd come into the locker room and Larry would say, scoop, do you notice how quiet it gets when you walk in here? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I can live with that. And, but he, he was like, noticed everything. Like, you know, when you go to school, certain guys are in, agitators or instigators or gossips. He was like one of those guys. And I remember during, we were in Portland and, uh, was a, a forward from North Carolina State, I think. It was Kenny Carr, and and you know, he, he coned me with a pass during the warmups. I was down, my head down, typing, and Aaron Pass got away and blasted me in the head. My glasses broke when flying off, and Kenny Carr came over to Polly. And Bird's at the other end. He noticed everything. He saw that. He couldn't wait to hunt me down in the bar that night back at the hotel. You know, he got like forty-seven against some trailblazers, but all he cared about was getting in my face. He says, "Scoop, I saw that you was pissed." He says, "Your glasses went flying." And, the whole thing, you know how he could get. So it was, uh, it was that kind of like back and forth stuff. And, and the book's loaded with those kinds of stories. And so I just, uh, I, I made every effort with Larry. I have his cell phone. He has, he's turned off the faucets and this should be obvious to you guys, but I guess if you pay him and you do a commercial or something, he appears, I'm glad because I was worried about his health. I know he became a granddad and he's social security eligible and you know, he's got a no show job at the Pacers now. And, but most of the time in Florida, we see him at a spring training. He likes the baseball. He comes over to Fort Myers every now and then. And, you know, Indiana. But the kids are grown. I think his daughter works for the Pacers. Um, and uh, just just like I said, shut off the faucets. Uh, Max couldn't get him to help him with his book. I mean, I would take that personally if, if I played with him for nine years, whatever, and won two championships. I mean, yeah, that's just that, – that's really shutting off the faucets. And I know that, like, Bob Ryan and Jackie, you know, 
they both did biographies of Larry. They, they would stay at his house. Uh, they were in the inner circle, and he's not returning their calls either. So I didn't take it personal. He wasn't calling me back. But, uh, again, really, you don't even notice, and it wouldn't have – I'm not sure it would have helped that much. Some guys having him now, it helped a lot. Uh, in Larry's case, I had so much from the old days. It's all I needed. Well, did you think about maybe sending him a beer? I know that your relationship <laughs> with him got off to a sort of a rocky start. You detail it in the book about sending him – him and the, and the crew, a, a beer over and then doing it again and realizing you're already in the doghouse with two. Yeah. Two yeah. He, he did not warm up to strangers. Well, I understood that, you know, he's shy and he didn't like thinking people were trying to buy him or everybody needing something from him and push back on that. Didn't, you know, he wouldn't have been a social media guy if we were playing today. You know, he didn't like having his picture taken. He hated it at the airport when he was kind of found a, a quiet corner and some, you know, some jackass would go by and say, hey, there's Larry Bird. And then all of a sudden people are around him and want autographs. And like, he just wanted his privacy. He used to go to the movies in the afternoon, Chestnut Hill. I'd see him over there. And, uh, you know, of course, we're like, how come you go to the movie? Well, number one, it was in the afternoon. There was nobody in the theater, so he could hide out. He had a hat on. And number two, it was cheaper. Matinees were cheaper, which for Larry, <laughs> that, that meant a lot. I actually had a, a road rage incident with him. I was driving by Fenway Park. Because, you know, he lived in Brookline down at the end of Route 9 and, and back there where Hellenic College was. And I was getting near Fenway. I'm coming in on Park Drive, turning on to Boylston Street. And this giant Cadillac is being a real dick the way this car is driving. It was almost as if the car was trying to provoke me. I was really getting, I was flaring. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I, I like roar up against this guy and I look over and it's him. He just, he, he picked me out. He saw me. So he was messing with me in traffic. And, oh, he loved that, that he got under my skin unknowing that it was him i mean that's stuff that used to happen you know you think back to obviously you mentioned a lot that that we want to you know dive further into in terms of coverage and then and now and and basketball itself and all of it but you know so many stories whether it's in the book or stories that I've heard you tell along the way over the years that we've known each other or stories that are you know in max's new book like you alluded to as well they they are you know they revolve around going out drinking yeah. all of it and you know i i think it's really interesting I, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this just sort of like questions about that era versus what it's like now and i'm not sitting here pretending that that players today don't drink they drink plenty they party hard they have a great time obviously yeah. but you know one big difference is now you know you have uh, all the advances in in nutrition and technology and like guys like lebron james spending more than a million dollars a year just on his body back then and you were around it you know you 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 were you were right there in the bars too like the amount of beer consumption from athletes back then basketball players back then versus now I can't even imagine that either it compares or it just compares even remotely the same way like what I mean how did guys go out and have success when they were treating their bodies as they did then versus now well I mean there was some uh there's some big truth to that and um guys weren't as fit then as they are now. And, and, you know, there was an element of playing yourself into shape, you know, November, December, you know, red way back in the sixties, he, he pushed back on that. So they were, you look back at the red hour back Russell Celtics, they killed people in November because, you know, all these old white guys were just, you know, using November to get into shape <laughs> and it was different and they had off season jobs and all that stuff. So the Celtics red, he got them in shape and they would, they would torch people at the start of the season. It got them great starts every year as part of their strategy. When I was covering the 80s, it was much better, of course, and they were more fit, more conditioned. 
And, you know, they're just kind of naturally gifted in most cases. But guys, well, the Celtics had a guy named Rick Roby, who was, a, you know, he's from Kentucky. He was six foot 11 listed, but Larry called him footer because he said, you're a, you're a footer, you're a seven footer. And, um, you know, Larry had a long history with this guy because Joe B. Hall had recruited him to Kentucky. Larry wanted to play at Kentucky when he was in high school. Where he lives, Kentucky was kind of the blue chip program along with Indiana to the north. And uh, Joe B. Hall thought he couldn't get a shot off in the SEC. So, and they, they brought in Rick Roby, who was slower, but he was seven feet. And they won a national championship with Roby. And, and um, so they end up at the Celtics together. And Roby's to this day still a good old boy, drinking buddy, Kentucky. Ended up moving to Florida, of course, and his son played football for the Gators. And But uh, Roby ran with Larry. They were like-minded guys. And, uh, of course, Roby was only playing like eight minutes a night, you know, and Larry had to get out there. And so Larry was the one paying the price for this lifestyle that they had on the road. And um, Red traded Roby for, for Dennis Johnson. He got a <laughs> Hall of Fame guard because Phoenix was – they. They gave up on this guy way too early. You know, coach didn't like him and Red sees that opportunity. He needed a physical guard. He gets a Hall of Fame guard is coming into the prime of his career for Rick Roby, who played, I don't know, another year or two, never did anything. Good guy. And but it wasn't just the basketball. Part of it was to get Roby the hell out of town. And Larry was MVP the next three years. It was not a coincidence. You know, it was a, a dual effect trade, bringing in an all-star guard and and getting rid of the guy who was keeping Larry out at night. So that was part of it. Are we allowed to use bad words because it's a podcast? Yeah, what the hell? I won't tell. I just one, but, you know, like, you know, Maxwell had, Max will tell you, Max had the routine. You know, there was the McDonald's across the street. I don't know if it's still there on Causeway, but there, there was. And, you know, so he'd said, Francis um, O'Brien could tell you this, the ball boy is still there. He's 70 years old. They'd go get bags of hamburgers and Max would eat a bag of hamburgers before the game. And, uh, you know, we wrote about that and, and I <laughs> – you know, Larry's like, don't be writing about that. People think, you know, we don't take care of ourselves. He says, that's the worst part of this job. He says, is staying in shape and, you know, conditioning and diet and all that. He says, he says, I'll tell you, he says, when I'm done playing, I'll be the fattest fuck you ever saw. He says, because I have no intention of, of staying with this regimen. He said, it's too hard. And he said, I'm just as bad as Max or anybody else. And, and then the one year he hurt his back. And this was a little later. And he was away from the thing for a couple of weeks and he gained, I don't know. He said, he said, I gained like seven, 10 pounds while I was shut down for those two weeks. He said, I was eating wedding cakes every day. And uh, we we're like, why would you do that? He goes, who'd fuck up a wedding cake. They're good. You know, it was the thing. So that was his mentality was, you know, a wedding cake is by definition going to be good cake. So he ate only wedding cakes while he was on the shelf and gained all this weight. So, yeah, he was funny talking about that. But, you know, a guy like Robert Parrish never gained any weight and was run the floor. He still looks like that. He's 68 years yeah. old and uh, just just stayed with, with that body. The whole Jerry Henderson was like that. I mean, I don't I don't mean to say that guys were fat and sloppy and out of shape. You can't play the sport, as you know, to do that. But it was not quite the regiment that you have today. Real quick, just want to uh, take a break, tell you about uh, our one of our sponsors here. This show powered in part by BetOnline.ag. We're back. We're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. Props, odds, lines, more so than ever before, folks. BetOnline remains your top spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive 50% 
welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. It is CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, uh, postseason. Of course, when that was behind us, you can get in on futures now. You got NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout the rest of 2021 on into 2022 as well uh bet online your fastest easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports including the patriots tonight in atlanta going for five in a row evan you got the uh the the mortgage on this one or what no i don't like the line it's seven points on the road and it's a thursday game those are usually tough if you're going to do anything the money lines where you go minus 310 not a lot of juice there um but if you want to get creative and, and tease the the spread with the under the over, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not fun betting the under. I know people don't like to do it, but if you were to tease it, you get it at about 53, 53 and a half, depending on what you want to do there. Um, the unders have been hitting the season. So if you're, you're one of those people that's like, ah, you know, it's more fun to bet the over. It's more fun to root for points. I totally get that, but use your brain sometimes. Uh, both of these teams, um, played a couple of days ago. I, I, you know, I don't see a lot of points getting scored here in this game. Um, so I would do that if I were to take that. Other games I like. Um, big fan of Dallas this week, plus two and a half in Kansas City. I I think this past game with the Raiders was kind of kind of ridiculous, um, as people pointed out. The Raiders only played single high safety the whole game after everybody talking about for a month that Mahomes can't beat two high safeties. And for some reason, the Raiders didn't feel like changing anything. So uh, the reason why Kansas City goes out and throws up 40 points is they played a defense they liked. I think Dallas is a little better defensively. They can keep up with Kansas City. I like that. Um, and then just some others. I like Green Bay minus one. I think this Green Bay team's really, really excellent. Um and as much as it pains me to say, you're not going to get too many opportunities to bet against Joe Flacco this year. You'll get it this week. Jets are plus three. Miami's minus three. I like Miami in this game because um, the Jets are a disaster. Those are my favorites so far. Hey, Dan, I don't know if you saw Kurt Warner say earlier this week that uh, 2021 Mac Jones has been more impressive than 2001 Tom Brady to this point. Are you uh, all in on the second coming? Well, I mean – I'm always pumping the brakes on a rookie quarterback and they've, they've done it themselves. So they don't let him do too much. I, I love it. I've loved it since day one. It was driving me crazy when, you know, Bill started Newton through the whole preseason and looked like they were going to do that again. Cause you know, Bill hates rookie quarterbacks by mm-hmm. definition. I understand that, but this has been, I've loved every, I've loved every minute. This is the most I've been into the Patriots. I got real tired of same old, same old every year. I know we were spoiled, but this is exciting. What we're seeing now It's just the unknown you know, competing for the division, it's uh, it's it's much more, much more interesting competitive situation than, than we had. So I, I'm loving it. Bet online where the game starts, folks. Ooh. Dive on in, check that out. Let's get back to the Celtics. Obviously, all things Celtics going back to the mid to late '80s on to where we are today. Of course, Stan Shaughnessy. Wish it lasted forever. The uh, all those Larry Bird years and a lot of great Larry Bird stories in there. And and uh, there's there's so much. That I have a plenty more questions as well, but I have monopolized <laughs> this thing so far. So Evan, please go ahead. I just find it interesting because you know, we talk about going out to the bar and, and hanging out with guys and, and, and understanding the team dynamic and chemistry and all that stuff. And today, you know, you talked about it in the book and I thought it was really interesting to listen to or at least read um, the difference between coverage, right? And and today with the bubble, you talked about having to sign the waiver, et cetera, et cetera. And it doesn't seem like we've gone enough back the other way. I mean, I totally get why. I mean, it's health and safety protocols, all that stuff. Do you have a fear, Dan, 
that we will no longer, I mean, we obviously the access was already restricted uh, before we hit the pandemic, right? You don't have that same dynamic with, and you, you've talked about it. Jackie Max talked about it. You know, Bob Ryan's talked about it all over the place for the past couple of years. But at what point do we say like these, you know, journalists have a job to do and what teams are doing now is, is really getting in the way of them doing their job to the fullest extent. Do you think there's a, there's a time where we can go back the other way and maybe get some of that access back. No, it never goes that way. It's like in a bargaining, a collective bargaining situation. As soon as you give up stuff, you never get it back. And that's why you're, you're so protective of it. I, I just feel like it's, it's kind of over. And this is, this is the new, the new world. It's evolution. I don't push back on it. I don't complain about it, but yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard for you guys today. And it's just, it's kind of a waste of time. I mean, guys do what they can do, but you know, when you're zooming with the coach, everybody's getting the same questions, the same answers. I mean, no mm-hmm. one's, you don't get rewarded for doing your own work, developing relationships. You very rarely do. And uh, it, it's just, this is the way the teams want it. And again, eliminate the middleman. I understand for them, just have, have the fans reading team sites and sites, stay away from the, the neutrality or anyone who's going to be critical or subjective or, or just, you know, kind of crush them or call them out on stuff. You don't get that on the team site. And, and why deal with it? I, it, we could, we saw it evolve a little bit when I'm there. There's a scene in the book where the, you know, the PR guy says, we don't need you guys anymore. We're selling out all of our games, you know, stop bitching about access. And we didn't have much to complain about, but and now it's just the, the, the way they manage it. I mean, the NFL has been doing this for decades and gotten better and better at it. Now it's coming everywhere. And like in baseball, that clubhouse may never come back. And of course the players don't want us in there. It's so much better if their workplace to not have us in there. I understand that. So to get it back, I think they can use an abundance of caution to keep us out of there forever. And uh, I just don't think it's coming back. So, um, and, and, you know, it's like this year's team and last year's team, you know, we don't know what the hell's going on with them. And that's kind of the way they like it. It's less awkward for them. Well, the problem that creates is now it's all speculation. I mean, the, yeah. the other day, I got fired, and, and a good, it shows the state of journalism today, but I got fired up the other day. You know, EEI has this clip that, that circulates all over the place about, you know, is there some, like, secret rift between Marcus Smart and, and Jason Tatum? Like, we don't even know. You're making that up. Like, you're just making yeah. that up because we don't know. And it actually hurts not only – it might get back in the locker room, hurt their relationship. It's possible. I'm not yeah. saying it is. I'm just saying it's possible. You end up – and then you have people like me who get upset and then go on Twitter and just, you know, go crazy about it. And it it doesn't – my issue is because of the lack of inclusion of, of access for guys, we're now just left for blatant speculation and just right. making things up. And maybe – Sometimes that sticks, and what happens is like somebody gets one thing right because they happen to throw a million dart throws, and eventually you get right one time. It just leads to it. it, it I don't yeah. like where we're headed. I just I don't like it because it doesn't give us any clear picture at all whatsoever. Like as you brought up, last year's team, this year's team, sun's off, but we have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. What's going on in me? They had a a team meeting. Oh no, it was really a group dinner. It's like well. well what what really was it? And, and am I supposed to believe Ime Odoka is going to come out and say, "Yeah, we had a plan"? I mean, I'm, I'm I, I can take him at his word, I guess, but we have no clue what's going on unless you're Woj or unless you're Shams, who's getting it from the agent side of things. Yeah. We're never going to know. It's just it, it drives me crazy because we don't get a clear picture of what's really happening in the sport. 
and 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 it just hurts the the consumer, so to speak. I w- I agree, and you know, unfortunately, the consumer they hate us so much that they don't want to hear us complain about it. They just take it as well. You guys are just butt hurt because they're not help- making it easy for you, and they don't realize we're butt hurt because we can't tell you what's going on. And so, yeah. And increasingly, the the fans, the readers, they don't they they hate the media so much they don't care, or they don't want to hear anybody. Ah, you guys are complaining about that. You know, go screw. You don't need to be in there anyway. And it's like, wait, I'm only in there because I assume you want to know what the hell's going on. So it's a, you can't win that one. It's evolved in a bad way, and and uh, I feel your pain. I don't think it's going to get better. Well, I I think just an extension of that, Dan. It's got to drive someone like you crazy, obviously, who's who's made your career out yeah. of being a journalist and 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 you know not just writing books, but not just being a columnist, being a beat writer, and you know it's there's no accountability anymore. You know, once upon a time, accountability mattered. You couldn't just make things up. And if you did, or even if you didn't, you know, you went with one source instead of two or whatever it may be, you were given bad information. You, you know, you reported something, it turned out to be wrong. Like that mattered once upon a time that mattered. Now you have people putting things out left. I mean, look at just a a stupid recent example. Look at the Odell Beckham sweepstakes the other day when, you know, when he was a free agent. I mean, you had this reporter said he was going to the Rams. This reporter said he was going to the Packers. This reporter said it was one, then it was the other, but he hadn't decided. This reporter said, well, the Patriots are still in the mix. And ultimately nobody's right until the decision is made. And then maybe if you guessed it right along the way, congrats, you know, you had it first, but that's, you know, that's where we're at in, in modern day journalism. And it's, it's just, it's so, I, I know that it, it exists that way because for the most part, the consumer doesn't care. The consumer just wants the news whenever the news comes to be. It's not about, you know, necessarily breaking stories anymore being right. It's just breaking stories and being first. And if you were right, congrats. And if you weren't, you weren't. There's, there's just, there's, there are no ramifications anymore. It's got to drive you nuts. Well, yeah, I just, I just kind of, you know, again, I'm so old. I'm not out there a lot like I used to be. And I just kind of gave up on that. It's like, well, I'm glad I had the years that I had and I know what I know and it's helpful to see it from a distance so you can kind of have a little perspective, but deep down, we're not finding out what is going on. And it's, it is frustrating. There were some, you know, I, I think a lot of the reporters out there do, do a very, very good job. And yeah. I think generally speaking, you know, team reporters are certainly better than national reporters, but you know, national reporters are, you know, they're part of the job is, is, you know, it, it depends if you're a host, it's spewing hot takes. If you're a, you know, if, if, if you're a, you know, a, a Woj or a Shams, it's, you know, again, relationships are a big part of it. Do you think that, that, you know, today's reporter is just too protective of, of player and team relationships over ultimately just giving you what is the best story, the best content? Yeah, I'm so cynical and suspicious that they're always lying to me. I just, I, I push back on all that. I just assume that they're lying and just covering up. So I'm, I'm looking for communists under every rock. And uh, it, it doesn't endear you to the teams when you're around them. And, and they know that. So I don't get a lot of people whispering in my ear because if I know it, you know, Danny lied to me last year. And I've known Danny for 40 years. And, you know, I, I remember I said to him, like two weeks before, all they all change jobs. And I said, can you tell me you're going to still be here after the season? He said, yes. So I went with that, just a little part of a bit larger thing, but I wanted to have that on record because I had, I had a sense of, of the troubled waters here. And then of course, you know, less than 12 hours after they lost the last game, everything had changed. He was gone the whole thing. 
And when yeah. I got back to him, you know, like within a week, I said, just so we're clear, you know, like, did something change or or were you lying back when you talked to me then? And he said, yeah, I, I kind of knew then, but I, I couldn't tell you because I knew you'd write it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think that's good. But, you know, and he said, yeah, I hope I never have to do that again. But, yeah, I you got me there as I, I did know. And I couldn't tell you at that time. And, yeah. you know, that kind of flies in the face of the whole religion and all that stuff. So he didn't he didn't feel good about it. And um but he said, he said, I, I knew if I tried to tell you off the record that, that you'd still write it. Because if I know it, yeah, I mean, that's important. And, and he just, he had, they always have to lie. But, you know, he tried not to do it as much and tried to honor that. But he admitted it when it did happen. So do you believe then after the fact, obviously, what we've come to know since, you know, the, the lying notwithstanding that, that everything went down as they've said it went down or or did something change? You know, was this, you know, a little bit more of a surprise than, than the, the the months long plan that they laid out after the fact. I think that they they knew he knew he was going to step down, like within two weeks of of when it happened. And you know, one of the tells on that's going to be what happens with him moving forward. If he shows up in Utah or or Phoenix, you know, working for a team at any kind of high level, that would be a tell that maybe this wasn't as much his idea as as theirs or whatever. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's just going to be a hanger on. And I don't think he's going to take a big job somewhere else. Why would he, you know, who needs that? I mean, I, I don't know. I, paycheck's always nice. I'm sure. But he's got, he's got, fam- he's got a lot, you know, a big family to, to, to you know, to, to yeah. spend time with. So I, I totally get why he was supposed to We had that on our, our rundown of like, we got to ask him about that exact question. Cause we, yeah. cause, cause it was, like not too long after that you had that, that came out that uh, they that he was going to be gone so it was interesting to see um you know the the reversal happen so quickly but you know we look at this team now and it's driving everybody nuts yeah. uh, the inconsistency of of night to night what you're going to get um you know the 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 mixture of of Jalen and Jason as it work you know smart you know calling out the team emays um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what this team is and how we can put his imprint on it. What are your early takeaways of this year's Celtics here, Dan? Well, let me ask you guys. You're, you're there all the time. So they, they took 42 threes last night and made 11. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so is this, that, is, this is where Adam and I sort of, to, <laughs> sort of differ you know, on opinion here. This drives Adam crazy. Um, I don't mind if they're good ones. What's the um, average three? What's the average they take in a game? A lot. That's a oh, lot. it's uh, yeah. I mean, they're right there toward, if not at the top I mean, of the list. I'll look it up. About, yeah, is forty-two normal? That's that's normal. Yeah, I know well, you're gonna make. Yeah, and today, see, it's it's so funny you bring that up because when Max comes on, you know, he and I, he never made one in his career. Over, you know, yeah. I mean, he and I commiserate over the number of threes that that are, you know, taken in today's game. You were talking, yeah. obviously, you know, much earlier in the show about about like you know old man on porch or shaking fist at cloud yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. But, but it's not, you know, just in, in the way teams are covered for me. Like the one thing we didn't ask you about was what about basketball itself? Like I, I get yelled at every time I tweet about how, you know, I, I just think that, that basketball used to be better than it, than it is today. Yeah. And, and look, I love basketball, but you know, to me, the like living between the free, th- the, the three point lines and, 
And, you know, like Jason Tatum being scared of contact and not going anywhere, you know, near getting the number of free throws he should be getting. And some of that obviously is the officiating, but more of it is just him not throwing himself into that. And, 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 you know, I know people harp all the time on Marcus Smart taking seven, eight threes a game when he's not that good a shooter. He's yeah. not, you know, that, that much an above average shooter. It's just like today's basketball in, in its simplest summation is unless you're the golden state warriors and you got a Steph Curry and some of the other guys that can shoot that way, you know, if if you're built the way the Boston Celtics are and, and so many teams around the NBA are, I just don't feel it is that compelling a brand of basketball, but it's, it's where we're at today. It's not going to change it. Like you talked about, it's not going back the other way, but I mean, what do you think of basketball then versus now? Well, again, I, I'm trying not to promote this book, as I said, with, you know, the game was so much better then, but it was. And it's nobody's fault. Again, it's just evolution. But I, I have a hard time staying with it. I don't like 42 threes. I mean, Larry took two a game, I think. And he could make them. I mean, they had they had Scott Wedman, Jerry Seasting, Danny Ames. They had Marksman. And that would translate to today, but it just wasn't part of the game. And it was much more, much more fluid, you know, a little bit of a low post game you know, passing, the passing, and you know, see, you've seen the videos of the mm-hmm. passing of the 85-86 Celtics, greatest passing team of all time. Danny would try to get back in the games in garbage time just to be on the floor with Walton, to be on the other end of those passes. That's how it was. And and it was just was, there was more body contact, more hand checking and, and bruising down there. They would all foul out in the first quarter. Now, I think that's true. But, uh, you know, a lot of whistles now, the reviews, and it's it's tough. I, yeah, I just, uh, the skill level, we know what the skill level is. I mean, God, Kevin Durant, geez, I mean, yeah, he's guys, they're just so good. I understand that, but I don't find it that pleasing to watch by and large. I'm, I'm kind of in the wait for the playoffs mode with the thing now. It's just, um, and the, you know, the load management, the nice off. You know, I was at that game with the Bucks last week and there was nobody there. I mean, you know, I know Giannis had an ankle thing or something, but you know, guys said it was COVID and it was load management and, you know, they, they had like one starter on their on their team it was not, yeah. Not Middleton fine. was out, Lopez was out. Yeah, it was tough. It's just it was Drew Holiday. That was that was basically yeah. it. Just to provide tough. some context here, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves lead the league in threes attempted a game at forty two point six. So forty. Oh my god. <laughs> Golden State's two, so they're forty two a game. So that's normal for Golden State. But when you have Seth yeah. Curry, who's the greatest of all time in terms of shooting a three point shot, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, the Celtics Boston, have to be top ten. What's up? Celtics have to be top 10. Let me tell you, they're not. They're at 12 at 36 and a half a game. 36 so, now. Okay. The top, is, 10, top 10 in order is Minnesota, Golden State, Utah, Milwaukee, <clears throat> Portland, Dallas, Orlando, uh, LA, <laughs> Knicks, and Thunder. Those are your top 10. I'm sure. Thank you. I am. That's helpful. Yeah. Just to provide right. some context. That's all. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call an audible, fellas. I'm going to talk about cannabis for a second, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They are the premier cause for the founders, Pat and Pete. You see Evan with the t-shirt. I got one too here. To the moon, baby. Instead of the moon, uh, Pat and Pete re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it, uh, while never forgetting, of course, that it is for everyone. Insa dispensaries are inviting. They're modern. Evan has gone in to check out the stores. Uh, you should as well. Even if you just want to learn more and you don't want to buy, it's okay. It's staff, their authorities on the science. They answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to uh, offerings for insomnia, anxiety, uh, a little recreation for hanging out with friends, whatever it is that you need. Insa is a world-class chef, uh, too, head chef, only hires the most respected growers. That is uh, very important. Respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so 
legit, let's say. Uh, one last thing, the Insa founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley. They're lifelong pals from Springfield. So another team for you to root for, Insa in Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, two uh, Springfield locations as well, including just off of I-90, uh, I-91 be- beside the MGM Casino. Mentioned we sent, uh, sent you to stop by for a sweet T-shirt for a penny. T-shirt for a penny, just like that one that Evan has, the one that I'm wearing here, Insa.com, I-N-S-A.com. 877 500 insa all right let's get back to all of this with uh talking more about uh the celtics and obviously today versus yesteryear and uh dan shaughnessy here with us and the great book wish it lasted forever life with larry bird celtics uh look i mean I, i'm sure even the great red hour back dan had his detractors at some point in time uh we know brad stevens did more recently are you a believer in Ime Odoka with what you've seen so far not even a quarter of the way through the year i want to believe i really liked him i got to meet him last week and i, I love the way he carries himself in these zoomers and and i liked when he, he talked about getting punked right out of the gate and mm-hmm. talking about going to shoot around we aren't going to win tonight these guys carry this out to the court and i thought that stuff was great i worry he's going to pull back on that a little bit because i don't know if the AAU Warriors can handle that kind of uh, bluntness from their coach. So <laughs> we'll see how that plays. I hope it stays. Um, I don't know much about him other than that. You know, I mean, it's always good cop, bad cop, and he's on another team and, and they liked him. And, and I think, you know, like Brown and Tatum were, were consulted on this. So they better play their ass off for him. And uh, I hope they're doing that. I just, I wonder what, what's being, what, what practice is like, what's being coached with all the ISO ball and the 42 threes last night and, and, you know, after timeout stuff, at the end of games it hasn't been, it has not been overwhelming to this point. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully it gets better. And I know there's problems there that maybe can't be fixed, but, you know, Brad should know the, the dysfunction of the roster better than anybody and, and give this guy a chance to get out of the gate. I just, I hope he gets a fair shot here because I want to see him succeed. Well, the, the, the good news is their defense has turned around quite a bit since the mm-hmm. opening couple of games where what looked like a disaster. Um, They've they've become, I think, what, a top five defense in the league over the past couple of weeks and have been able to cut down on the communication mistakes. It seems like, you know, guys are getting used to the system. So at least – and that was the one thing coming in, right? He was supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach that, you know, would, would shore up things in the end because the year prior was an absolute mess defensively. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the calling cards of Brad Stevens' team to hustle in defense. Didn't have that last year. And looked like to start the year they didn't have that, but at least it looks to me just looking from where we're at, you know, on a TV screen, the defensive stuff has has at least gotten better a little bit. So I'm, I'm a little more. I'm with you. I want him to be. A, a, I, I was a part of the 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 maybe the conductor of the Ime Udoka train when it first came out that they were looking to hire him, um, considering his steps along the way. You know, being a Greg Popovich uh, disciple, so to speak, was a good good. good Good, uh, good way to break yourself into the league. And then, of course, with, you know, Philly, with Doc Rivers and spent some time in Brooklyn. He was the James Harden whisperer. You know, I, I, I like hearing all that stuff. Um, I like the, the commitment to defense. And it looks like they're getting back to their ways in, the, in that regard. But offensively, you know, I'm not quite sure where, where they're headed here. You know, Tatum is taking a lot of responsibility in terms of trying to be that the guy that that does everything for them. I'm not sure if that's going to be the way they should play. I mean, that's offensively. I think we, we still have some questions. And I think when you look at this team and, and how they're put together, you know, I, I'm not quite sure if it makes sense all the way around. I, I like some of the guys, but I, I think with Ime, 
consistency is going to be the big thing. You know, how can they get consistent play out of everybody? And it drives everybody crazy when certain guys play a lot one night and don't the next night. And I think that's the, the biggest thing I think people have a problem with is just the consistency on this team night in, night out. And that's the great teams play consistent. The the good teams are not. That's the difference. And I'm hoping that you may can find a way to kind of turn the page, so to speak, and get them to be a little more consistent night in, night out. You know, Dan, uh, once upon a time, like I said, you obviously were, you know, for a number of years, as you talked about earlier, you were there every day, you're covering this team, not this team, but you know, those teams of, of the eighties. And even if you were there every day right now with the way the coverage has changed and of course, pandemic related, as we mentioned as well, you wouldn't be able to have all those, those up close discussions with guys that, that you could have way back when. So watching, I guess, somewhat from afar and, and having seen the talent that you have come through uh, over the last, what, I mean, 40 years, or or do you, do you believe that, that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the guys to take the Celtics where it is they're looking to go, you know, as, as individually talented as they obviously are. Do you like them to coexist? Do you like them to be, you know, part part of your, I don't know, big three if they're looking to form another one, obviously? It seems like you need to do that in today's NBA. Do, are, are, are you all about these guys being, you know, the, the next guys that, that take you to the promised land in terms of winning Banner 18? I wish I knew more. I, I know what I see. I see the talent level. You know, Tatum, obviously, the upside's enormous, you know, what his skills are. I don't know what's in his heart. Um, I worry about that. I worry about the, the, the closeness with Beal and if he's, if he's down at this place and whatnot. Um, it's just hard to read it. And I, I don't buy the youth thing anymore. This is his fifth year and it's Brown's sixth year. And I know they were young when they came to it. They weren't fully formed adults. You know, Larry Bird's 23 is rookie year, you know, five years mm-hmm. of college. You look at it. So different, but uh, that's long enough to figure out the NBA. And um, I just hope it's not all about, you know, selling Subway sandwiches, getting your brand, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. That stuff seems to be emphasized and more important. I don't like the way it's been. I see, I see, he's just, to me, he just stops. He just quits some nights, just, you know, goes to the motions. And I think I like Brown's attitude a little bit more of what I see on the court, but we're not around it. I mean, smart. We love, he's a defensive back and, you know, you want him on the court at the end of games is aggressive and he can get the ball back for you. Redwood will like smart a lot, I think, but, uh, it's tough. It's tough sledding. And I I'm running out of patience with it. And I don't know. I mean, they were in the conference finals three out of four years and it's going the wrong way now. So let's go pick it up. Yeah. That's a really serious question. Can, can Brown and Tatum <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Let's go. You know, I'm, I'm with you. Cause I, I like, it's hard to get caught up sometimes as a fan. Like I want to watch Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play together. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy the camaraderie that they show on the court. Um, but you know, is is does the fit make sense? Can you have two wing players be the the the, the centerpiece of your franchise? And if they aren't, do you think that the fact that let me let me try and phrase this correctly here? Because we've been obsessed with player movement and 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 you know trading this guy for this guy. And are we getting too impatient? Maybe Dan is the question with these two guys. Or no. as you said, you know, no, we are not. But, but we're already talking about you have to trade one of them to to, to get to to make this work. I and mean, that's yeah, five six years a long look. I mean, right. guys, you know, I mean, I don't think I don't think Kareem Lou Alcindor wasn't in Milwaukee for five or six years and he was moved. I mean, no, it's 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 time. Let's go. 
Fair All right, well, we're, we're going to go too, but we encourage you to go to Amazon or your favorite bookstore. Check out Dan's new book. I'm, I'm sure he can show it to us again. Well, one there more it is time. one more time. One last time. Yeah. Wish it lasted forever. Life with Larry Bird Celtics. Make sure you check it out. It's, uh, it's really, I'm, I'm just starting to get into it. And it's, uh, I mean, having heard a lot of these stories working with Dan in the past, it's, it's so fun to see him in print, obviously. And, and whether it's, you know, I don't even think we mentioned the, you know, playing basketball with Larry Bird for money and, and him playing with the, the money in his socks out there for the game and all of, just a lot of really cool stories from back then that, uh, you should definitely check out because access we've, we've harped on this access was, uh, you know, so different and, and so much better than it is today. Uh, with, uh, obviously as, as Dan mentioned, team controlled sites, you know, the, 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 you know, evolution of, of social media being what it is today and yeah. uh, certainly not what it was. I mean, it, it wasn't a thing back then. So we encourage that you check it out again. Uh, wish it lasted forever. Life with Larry Bird Celtics, Amazon, or wherever else you, you pick up your books. This show brought to you in part by betonline.ag and INSA as well. We thank our sponsors and we thank all of you out there for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We always tell you way too late in the show. Next week, we'll, uh, I don't know, whoever will have on with us, we'll get more into, you know, today's Celtics, but wanted to do something a little bit different with, uh, you know, such a great book out there for the people to uh, turn back the clocks a little bit. Remember what it felt like to win championships around here. I know it's some people feel a little detached so for evan valenti i'm adam kaufman dan dan shaughnessy thank you so much for being on with us and uh, we really appreciate the time thanks adam thanks evan thank you guys for having me goodbye all right this is self we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye take care thank you